The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Baseball is back, and so are your favorite teams and players. Catch all of the best of the bigs all season long on ESPN Plus with over 170 live MLB games featuring every star and every team in the league. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com slash baseball. The NFL Draft is just weeks away, and for the latest insight and analysis on how things will shake out, check out First Draft with Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining us from Boston, Massachusetts, Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. Enjoying every second of these Celtics games this week. Thrilling. Thrilling games, the Celtics games this season. And uh, joining us from Dallas is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Um, nice performance by uh, the uh, the Dallas Mavericks with uh, your other team, the Houston Rockets, on uh, yeah, yeah, Wednesday the, night. The, the, red hot, the red hot Mavs roll into Houston. Chance to... Have a six-game win streak for the first time all year. Been playing good basketball and lay an absolute <laughs> egg. <laughs> well, speaking of the Western Conference, um, we saw uh, Phoenix come up with a big win, overtime win, uh, Wednesday night over the Jazz, um, which pulls them pretty tight on the Jazz play tonight. By the time you guys hear this podcast, the Jazz will have played the Blazers, so we don't know what happened in that yet. Uh, the Jazz trying to avoid a three-game losing streak in that one. And the Suns, uh, but the the Suns also. Right. But the Suns, you know, at this as of this moment, the Suns have won seven in a row. Um, the the Nuggets have won seven in a row. Um this Western Conference uh has tightened up, obviously. Um, but guys, here we are in uh in early to mid April here. Uh I'm not sure how this is gonna go. And obviously some of it is injury based because we don't know what the Lakers are gonna look like, but um, you know, Bontemps as we sit here, how many different teams do you think, like how many different teams would you lay a bet on, depending on what their odds were? How many different teams would you be willing to lay a bet on to win the Western Conference? I think I think there's five teams that can get out of the West legitimately that have a real, a real chance without any kind of fluke stuff happening. Obviously, both LA teams qualify for that. Utah obviously qualifies for that. And I think both Denver and Phoenix qualify for that. Um, you know, we saw last night, you know, that was a great game. Uh, that Phoenix Utah game and this Suns team, I've been impressed with them all season. You know, Chris Paul has really galvanized this group. Obviously, it's a really young team outside of him and Jay Crowder. Um, but you know, Mikael Bridges, one of the best wing defenders in the league. Devin Booker is one of the best scorers in the league, and DeAndre Ayton has got a lot better at center. And you let's, know, let's talk about the Suns for a second. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing I I really like about them is their depth. Now, I don't know. Ooh. I don't know when we get into a. That's play- the thing I don't like about no, them. I, I think they can. They bring some. Like from where this team was in recent years. Yeah, we'll agree like, to disagree on their depth. Like they just picked up Tory Craig. Eh, I don't want Tory Craig on the floor in a playoff series. I think they've got they they're solid through six, seven. If you want to count Sarge. I, I love I love their their starting lineup. Um, I love the development of DeAndre Ayton into you know what I would call a winning piece. 
Uh, I love Booker showing that he's not just a stats guy, that, you know, he's a guy who uh, can impact the games in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's become a, a two-way player. Obviously, Chris Paul is one of the great leaders. Crowder's been great for him. Bridges, even though he wasn't a factor last night getting foul trouble, his, you know, he's one of the great young role players in the league. Their bench to me is that that's the one concern I have with, you know, counting them as a contender. But at this point, you know, based on what they've done, you know, they've earned their way into that conversation. Cam Johnson, I mean, a lot of question marks on that bench. Who Cameron yeah. Payne is a quality backup point guard who's shooting who's shooting 40% on threes. Um, you know, can give them not that Chris Paul's gonna sit that much, but you know, you don't have a you know, you know, you feel good about where he is. Do you Cam feel good Johnson about playing campaign in a playoff series? Oh, I don't know. He's never done it. That's what I'm saying. I don't know about any of these guys. Well, I feel um, good about Cam. I told you, I feel good about Cam Johnson. He's one of the best wing shooters in the league. Mm-hmm. He he was agree. He was he was great last night. Like like Tim said, Bridges was in a ton of foul trouble. Didn't do much. He played thirty seven minutes. Was really good. I I we've seen Dario Saric struggle in the playoffs with the Sixers. He's not, um, you know, he's a, he's a decent eighth or ninth guy on a team maybe in the playoffs, but he's probably their seventh guy. Yeah. You know, campaign has had this you know this year basically with the Suns and the bubble is the only time he's been a good NBA player. I don't feel great about that. Like, I, I mean, I, I love their starting five. I I'm with, I'm with Tim though. I, I think they're mm. probably ultimately a guy or two short. Well, they've been, they've been, they've been, uh, you know, messing around with their, with their starting five a little bit. You know, they, they were yeah. bringing Crowder off the bench. I think it may depend on the, uh, but you know, if they, if, you know, for a while they were starting Frank Kaminsky, Who's shooting forty one percent on threes? I was like the Heat started uh, Myers Leonard over Jay Crowder last year until it mattered in the the playoffs, and then they okay. Then they started Crowder. Okay, okay fine. But I mean, I, I, I this team is deeper than they've ever been. I mean, in, in the modern era. Well, you know, they're, well, well yeah, they're just they've never had more right. one or two players. Right. They, I mean, this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a decade. So yes, they're they're clearly right, anyway. really good. All right, anyway. You know, it's a shame. It's funny because Cam Johnson was a pick where people, oh, they reach. Cam Johnson has, has been a good pick. Uh, it's a shame they're getting nothing out of out of the, their, uh, you know, the guy they picked 10th overall this year, Jalen Smith. I mean, you know, he might as well, you know, just not even be in the league. Well, we've talked about it multiple and times. Is, Imagine if they'd taken Tyrese Albert with the 10th pick. That's exactly what I was about to say. And look, you can do that with, with eight or nine teams in the draft, but especially Phoenix. If they had Halliburton, then wow. I mean, that would be, they'd be really tough. But look, they've got the best record in the league over the last two months. You know, second best record in the league overall. Chris Paul continues to uh, you know make the Rockets look absolutely ridiculous for, for thinking that he was cooked. Um, which, uh, you know, to be fair, I, I definitely thought he was he was significantly in the decline after his last season in Houston. He's obviously uh, proven that wrong. Um, and and Booker is, I mean, Booker is is becoming a a bona fide star caliber player, uh, superstar caliber player. Matter of fact, the the one and I, you know, some of our internal criticism of the uh, top twenty five under twenty five list has been. A little overblown and, you know, uh, well, whatever. Um, I was surprised at Booker at eight. And, you know, even Booker over Mitchell to me, you know, there's a a, a debate to be had there. Um, We've never seen Booker in a playoff series, but he definitely profiles as the kind of guy who 
uh, is not going to wilt under bright lights. He's hit a lot of of late clutch shots in his career, and you know, and, and last night was it was an example. That's a probably the highest stakes game he's ever played in the NBA, which says something about you know the state of the Suns over the last several years. But he brought it on both ends of the floor. Yeah, the thing about Booker, um, you know, he's got he's got good size. So I mean, he's not. You know, there's guys there's guys in that position taller. Like like you look at Mitchell and Booker, and those are two guys in that game where uh, that's the, the, those are the guys who are going to be expected to make plays. You know, Mitchell actually Mitchell's become a better three point shooter than Booker, which I wouldn't have seen two two years ago. Um, but at six five six six, whatever he's listed at, um, you know, he's got good size. He can score on all three levels. He he can create space. Um, you know, he's a he's a little bit more versatile defensively. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot to like about him. And, um, you know, he's, as you said, you know, I don't care if he's missed his last six shots. Um, he attacks, uh, he's not afraid of the moment. So you, you do expect that. Uh, and you know, I think Chris Paul has done a nice job this year. Uh, you know, I haven't watched a lot of their games, but when I have watched it, he's done a nice job of giving those guys, you know, there's been a quite a few games this year where Chris Paul is like, you know what? I'm just taking a back seat here. I'm going to let these guys go. He's really more focused on, you know, getting those guys going, getting those guys confidence. And then if, you know, if it's needed, especially late in the game, he'll, he'll take over and, you know, look for his shot. But, uh, and Booker has too. Booker has been, um, you know, willing to get these guys going. And that's the thing, you know, like with DeAndre Ayton, you know, one of the things about him uh, is his, his intensity level uh, grows and wanes to, depending on the moment. There are, there are times when, um, he's, uh, you know, really, really super engaged and he's like a beast. And there are other times when he kind of turns into a wallflower and you can see that Chris Paul knows that and tries to, you know, keep him going, um, by, you know, by taking care of him a little bit. And that, that that's the value of having Chris Paul has been, has been, he's really been a great fit. Um, but the thing about it is, as you mentioned, uh, Bon Temps, this whole roster has basically no playoff experience outside Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. And, you know, Jay Crowder is a role player. And um, at the end of the day, you're, you know, you're going to, you we have to see how Booker handles that. We have to see how Aiden handles it and Bridges. Um, and that's, that's why it's hard to predict where this team will go. No question. And that, and that, and that combined with, you know, a bit of a suspect bench, at least in my opinion, um, it is what ultimately probably will hold them back from quite being able to get out of the West. But I mean, you go through these individual guys and like, let's say they play the Lakers. Like, the Lakers have nobody to guard, really, Chris Paul or Devin Booker, effectively, right? Like, that's a that's a tricky matchup for the Lakers if that's a series. Like, I'm not, you know, obviously they have to try to stop LeBron, but, you know, Mikael Bridges is a little light to guard LeBron, but he's still about as good an option as you're going to have to guard him. So, like, they, they have the right mix with that five or six guys at the top of that group that I, I think they can go toe-to-toe with anybody. And as we saw last night, like, you give me like the the exciting thing for me is with those five teams in particular at the top. You give me a series between Denver and Utah, or Phoenix and Utah, or Phoenix and the Lakers, or obviously the Clippers and the Lakers. We saw Clippers, uh, Denver last year. We saw Utah, Denver last year. Like any combination of those series, I think is going to be absolutely awesome, and it has me really excited. You know, assuming health for everybody for these latter couple rounds of the West Blast, because I think they're going to be absolute slugfest and we're going to have at least one of these teams that doesn't even get out of the first round if you have five teams that can get that far which is going to make which is going to be something else too yeah the other thing i would say is that one thing about phoenix and utah is that 
they have had good health during the regular season relative to the other teams. Extremely. And that's I that's that's big reason why they're number one and two as opposed to the other teams. You know, we, we haven't seen Bridges, obviously, in a playoff game, but he, listen, I, when you win national championships in college, I think, you know, that that experience means something. And his development, he, he, he's one of the best 3 and D guys in the league. I mean, he's a 50-plus, 40-plus defensive stopper. Uh, his development has been huge. And then Aiton, like, you don't, you don't see it on, you know, in his stats. You know, he's not putting up huge – uh, huge numbers. You know, you're, he's not a guy who's giving you 25. He, but Aiton seems to have really started to understand how to be a uh, an impactful complementary player. Uh, last night, he really responded to the challenge. He knew, like, okay, we're playing against the Jazz and Rudy Gobert. I have to bring energy. Every time Gobert helped, Aiton was cleaning up on the glass. Uh, he's become one of the best screen setters in the league. And, you know, look, the the fact that you've got a number one overall pick who's only 22 years old, who is understanding and, and embracing that aspect, those aspects of the game for a team that's winning, I think that's impressive because his rookie year, it seemed like he was going to be an empty stats kind of guy. He's the act, the the exact opposite of that. Well, and look, last night going up against Rudy Gobert, to your point, McVan, it's not as we know, it's not a perfect stat. Plus fifteen in forty one minutes in a high leverage game against a great team, like that's a and especially a team that moves the ball a ton on offense. Right, not an easy team to guard by any respect. Um, and like you said, he had a couple huge offensive rebounds late, both in regulation and overtime, like. That was a really impressive performance from him. And like you said, he, he has grown in ways I definitely did not expect after his rookie year. And, and look, when you if you can have him go up against – like he can bang with a guy like Gobert. He's got enough speed to at least get in the way for a guy like Davis. Like he's, you know, he's definitely grown in ways I, I would not have predicted after that rookie season for sure. Well, the consensus uh, – I'm looking at uh, this site that, that ranges a bunch of different sports books. You can get pretty good – you can still, to this minute, get pretty good odds on the Suns both to win the West and um, and to win the championship. I don't know about win the championship, but um, to to win the you know as, as recently as late March they were plus two thousand <laughs> to win the West. Um, and then um, uh, you know they've got on this winning streak and it's dropped. It's now um, I'm looking at this across all these sports books. It's about plus eleven or twelve hundred. Um, you know they're they rank significantly. Of these five teams you mentioned, Bontemps, they rank significantly uh, in the back of them. And um, I don't know. That might not be the worst uh, bet of all time. Uh, to And I get to, why to they rank. On the and I get why they rank there, too, right, for all the reasons we said. They haven't been in the playoffs in a decade. They have a super young team. They're not battle-tested uh, at the NBA level. But, you know, these guys are um, – they're really talented. And, and, you know, and it, and it would be it would be something right if in Chris Paul's, what, 16th season, he finally breaks through and gets to the conference finals with this team. Like if that was to happen, um, it would be pretty. Well, he wild. was in one. Conference oh, that's right. He was in the conference finals with the, with the Rockets, too. Yeah. But if he's able after getting cast aside by them to get to get OKC in the playoffs, if he can go on a deep run here with the Suns, it would be pretty wild compared to where uh, we thought this was going to be a couple of years ago. 
You know, I, I do think that we need to make sure Monty Williams gets his fair share of credit. And, and absolutely. You know, he should absolutely be considered a coach of the year candidate. As much – look, Chris Paul obviously gets a lot of the credit. The, the acquisition of him has been immense. But this is something that, that – you know, this is momentum carrying over from the bubble last season. The development of, of Ayton, of Bridges – you know, even of Booker. I mean, I, I think you got to give Monty Williams a lot of credit for that. Chris Paul has helped. It's nice to ha- basically have a, you know, co-head coach uh, on the court, uh, in the locker room, all those sort of things. But Monty Williams really had this ball rolling, uh, and I, and I think that's that probably influenced their decision to be aggressive yeah. going against and, Chris and Paul. Jones, yeah. who's the G- the GM there, is a couple of things that have happened to get the Suns turned around. One, they convinced Monty Williams to take the job when he could have had the Lakers' job. Um, they basically, I don't know if there was a bidding war or whatever, but they basically sold them on coming here to Phoenix, which, you know, he's not had a good track record in recent years. And, and so they, they won that, you know, James Johnson did the draft night trade to get Mikhail Bridges to move up in the draft, uh, to get Bridges. That was a good move. The Chris Paul, uh, trade, you know, they did have to give up, uh, Rubio, Ubre and a first, um, for a guy who was making a ton of money, but there's no doubt that that was a humongous step forward for the organization. Terrific trade. Uh, and even Cam Johnson, we talked about this year, they, 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 they missed a chance to get Halliburton, but Cam Johnson, he was ranked in the back of the first round for a lot of people. P- people thought it was a stretch. I think he was taken at 11th. Yeah. 11th um, pick. Yeah. 10th or 11th. He, yeah. Um, he wasn't even a first round pick for some people. He had some hip issues in college. I mean, there's there's that pretty famous clip of Kobe White being told that he was picked mm-hmm. 11th, and Kobe was <laughs> yeah. pretty clearly stunned uh, that yeah. he went that high. And, and look, he's been he's been exactly what they what they needed, right? He's a stretch four; he can really shoot it. He might ultimately be a better option for them, even than Crowder. Like he's been, he's been really good. But I'm glad you brought up Monty, uh, Tim, because he he has been incredible for them. And and like you said, that that's carried over from last year when you started to see growth from these guys and. Um, you know, it's, it's been, you know, for a guy who's certainly been through a lot, it's been cool to see him have the success he's having in Phoenix, too. Yeah. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. The Nuggets were a team that obviously last year made the West Finals. A couple of, you know, tremendous comebacks, tremendous comeback against the Clippers. Um, And the Jazz. And the Jazz. Um, and, uh, really just were up and down at the start of this season. Uh, they, they, they were hit hard by COVID at one point. Uh, Jamal Murray has been banged up, uh, off and on throughout the year. 
they tried to trade Gary Harris to half the league. They finally found a taker and, um, and, you know, got, got Aaron Gordon. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, was out for a while with COVID. Um, now they've, they've got it humming. Um, set, like I said, seven in a row as we sit here today. Um, McMahon, the Nuggets are a team that obviously Jokic is a, a serious MVP candidate. He's having a career year. Um, but since they got Aaron Gordon, um, you look at that lineup they put out there. Michael Porter Jr. is playing the best. The last 12, mm-hmm. 13 games have been the best he's played in his career. Uh, Gordon, even though he doesn't, even though his touches are down and his scoring is a little bit down, his size and versatility defensively has already made a difference. And, you know, when we know that when Jamal Murray and Jokic are at the top of their games, it's a, it's a hell of a one, two punch, you know, again, uh, they're, they're plus 800 amongst all these sports books to, to win the West. Um, do you consider them a team that can get this done, you know, with this new uh, roster they've got going here? I think you absolutely have to have to respect the Nets as a threat in the West. No question about it. Uh, Nicole Jokic, he's not he's the MVP front runner. I mean, part of that's by attrition, but he's been phenomenal. Can he win the MVP? Yeah, why would well, he this, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We Brian Brian uh, Brian has some hot takes on the MVP award. I wanted to lay him out here. Why wouldn't Nicole Jokic win the MVP? Well. Uh, he's put up tremendous numbers. I agree. Um, the team is playing great right now. I mean, if they continue to win at this clip, they have a chance to get in the top three. Um, right now, I've got Joel Embiid number one. And who do you have number um, two? Well, I got to see how much he plays the rest of the year. But, um, you know, right now I've got Harden two and I've got Jokic three. Hmm. We can we can agree to disagree, but whatever, S- fine. Serious MVP candidate, MVP front runner. He's he, huh? No, no, he's an he's an absolute like he's the MVP candidate who's played pretty much every single night all well, season. He's, he's long. number one on your list right now. If you had to vote today, yeah, you'd vote for you. Yeah, he's had to, he he dragged that team for much of the season, That's especially true. early when 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 Murray was was in a funk. Um, and you know, look, he's got a chance to to fit, like you said. They've got a chance to finish the season strong. Obviously, them winning helps his his candidacy. But um, back to them being a threat in the West, the Nuggets all season long on this podcast, I was begging the Nuggets, be aggressive, be aggressive, be aggressive. You've got Jokic in his prime, playing like an MVP. You know, you've got you've got a team that that you know is, has proven that uh, you know Jokic is is a proven playoff performer. Murray, uh, they were a piece away. And Gordon has fit so seamlessly. And what he, the box score numbers with him really are irrelevant. He's the fourth or fifth offensive option when he's out there, but he fits well because he's obviously a, a, an athlete, a guy who can cut, a guy who who moves the ball well, you know, decent shooter. But getting him and giving them hope of being able to defend LeBron, Kawhi, you know, who, who, Booker, whoever else they might run into. Uh, in the Western Conference playoffs was absolutely massive. I think on the pod we did the day of the trade deadline, right after that trade, I compared Aaron Gordon to Denver, sort of being like another Arizona guy going to Denver back in 2012 mm-hmm. when Andre Godala got traded there. And in these early games with him, with the Nuggets, we've seen that sort of fit, right? 
He he is a better player than Jeremy Grant and is specifically a better fit for this team than even Jeremy Grant was. Now, they certainly missed Jeremy Grant this season, but we saw in both the West semifinals and the West finals, Jeremy Grant had to go up against the bigger wings, guys like Kawhi, guys like LeBron, like you said, Tim. He got shoved around, and he wasn't big enough to guard those guys. Aaron Gordon is big enough to guard those guys. And on top of that, his ability to cut off the ball on offense and his ability to pass and handle the ball on offense really has opened up their team to do all kinds of different stuff. And they have been absolutely demolishing people um, since he walked in the door with that starting five. And, I mean, look, mm-hmm. losing Gary Harris is going to hurt uh, at times in the playoffs. He was really the reason that series turned around against Utah last year with his defense on Donovan Mitchell. I will be curious with them having to guard some smaller guys without having Harris there. They don't have a good option to do that. But, you know, I think they got a lot better. Like you said, it's it's about time. They really swung for the fences and got aggressive. And they're they're a damn good team um, that's really fun to watch. And real real quick, just because we've talked about it, Nikola Jokic's stats for the season are 26 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, shooting 57% from the field and 42% from three on 86% from the line. It's our, it's one of the, it's one of the greatest seasons statistically in the history of the sport. That's true, but you have to put everything in context of this year with, with offensive stats, because we're having the most insane offensive season in forever. So, um, and in the most insane offensive season in forever, let me ask you this. Is there a better offensive trio in the Western conference than Jokic Murray Porter? No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, my thing on Embiid is that the guy is completely, when he is at the top of his game, he is completely unstoppable. He is as unstoppable as Durant. He's unstoppable as LeBron. um, And in a way that we just don't see. Now, um, he doesn't set the table like Jokic does with uh, with those assist numbers. But he's a dominating defensive. Player. I I agree with you. I, I agree with you. But and in, in this is going to be the biggest issue for Embiid. Nikola Jokic has played fifty-one games, and Joel Embiid has played thirty-three. And if you're talking hey, listen, about, I agree. We've got twenty games left. I know. I'm just saying. You if know? you're talking about the most valuable player, it it's hard to be as valuable if you play twenty less games. No matter how good you are. And but but we're talking about who's coming out of the Western Conference. The, the MVP we talk about all the time. All right, fine. Um, Let's just, let, I'm to my to my point. Jokic, Murray, Porter. Is that the best offensive trio? Yes. In the Western Conference, the, the way Porter has been playing recently, I should try to find his last like ten games. The way Porter right now. Like I remember, I, I was having a discussion. Um, I, I got some, I got, let's just say, let's let's just, let let me put it like this Uh, in the last podcast, which you guys were not on. There was a discussion about whether Trey young was a max player. Let's just say I got some feedback on that one. Um, just say, let's just say the phone, uh, rang over his last 10 games. Um, Michael Porter jr. Is shooting 58% from the field, 58% from three and scoring 20 a game. Oh, good God. So it was not that long ago where I was, you know, probably maybe two months or so, January-ish. I was saying, I wonder what Denver will do with Michael Porter's extension this yeah. offseason. Uh, well, holy hell, if if this is the way he's going to play going home, uh, this is going to be a five-minute negotiation. Yeah. yeah. Listen, either you are going to use him as a, as a trade piece to go get a bona fide superstar or you're going to pay him because he's – the the uh, there's stuff that comes along with them, but they've got him at least 
showing up defensively, and and now with Gordon, they can you know really make it a lot easier uh, on, on that in the floor. And he's not like hunting shots. He's not like taking bad shots. He's getting everything in the flow of the offense, and he. I mean, well, just the skill set at that size and athleticism. I know, and having and having Gordon out there will will enable Mike Malone to free him up a little bit defensively. Yeah. By the way, uh, Mike Malone gets now. I know Malone's got a hot temper. I've known Malone for fifteen years. Malone's got a temper. We all know he gets kicked out of the game on Wednesday night in the third quarter while his team's on a six-game win streak. I mean, <laughs> it was it was a ha- it was a heck of an ejection too. I was rewatching that game oh, he, this morning. He wanted he wanted to be ejected. Oh, uh, Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic should have got a foul call at the other end, and and he basically ran out and tackled uh, the the referee coming down by their bench. I mean, it was one of the fastest ejections you'll ever see. And he was screaming. He grabbed the ball at one point. I thought he was going to kick the ball into the stands. It was a it was it was a heck of a it was a heck of a move. <laughs> I mean, he was. T- he said after the game, you know, something had to, the game was too, you know, something had to stop. I'm like, whoa, 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 Mike, things are going well. Hold on. But yeah, they won <laughs> yeah, the game. Imagine if they were struggling. They well, I'll tell game. you what, the other All thing right. about that game too, they gave up like 28 points over the final 15, 16, 17 minutes of that game and held the Spurs under 100. Like that's not, that's not the Denver Nuggets team that we really think about very often, right? One that can actually well, the, guard the bench their bench uh, whipped the Spurs in that game. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, Malone has had trouble at times. Sometimes he's had too many guys to play and has to have difficulty finding, um, finding the, the, the nine he can trust because yeah. he's been trying to play 11. Um, you know, they've made some trades and used some of those assets and it's made some of his decisions uh, cleaner. Um, but, you know, they stay healthy, uh, and you know Murray is a you know a huge factor. He just gets the way Murray plays. He gets beat up. He just gets beat up. Um, one under but, the radar. Uh, one under the radar move with Denver too. They picked up Shaq Harrison today and waved Gary Clark. Yeah. And I know a lot of fans probably have no idea who Shaq Harrison is, but he's a super athletic defensive played guard. For played for the Bulls. Um, has always had good uh, analytics numbers and. He, I'll be curious to see if he gets a chance to play some for them to kind of fill that role we were talking about with having a guy on the perimeter who can really guard. Because especially on this team with all this offense, if there's a team that could get away with having a guy out there who doesn't really do much with the ball in his hands, it would be Denver. All right, so even though the- – I, I put Shaq Harrison in the same category as Torrey Craig, and that's if a contender either cut him or traded him for nothing in the middle of the season, also true. you probably don't want him on the floor in the playoffs. It's also true. Hmm. He was on the Jazz for a chunk of the season. It's also true. All right. So speaking of the Jazz, um, the sport book, uh, this consensus ranking I'm looking at has them about plus 420 um, as a number one team. Now, I got to say, whenever – That'd be much more fitting for the Nuggets. <laughs> whenever you're looking at uh, at numbers when it comes to sports book and betting in the West, you always got to put a little asterisk on the Lakers because um, – especially when it – Related to Vegas because the Vegas odds on Lakers are never a good price because they take advantage of all the people, all the Laker fans who drive over for weekends and they give them bad prices. Mm-hmm. Many bets on the Lakers futures are not good bets because just not because the Lakers won't win, but because the prices aren't fair relative to other teams. Um, still, the Jazz, who've been number one in the West all year, um, although now their their lead is narrowed, uh, um, but they've lost a couple in a row. Uh, still pretty good price at plus 420. Um, you know, the thing about the Jazz, I think, all year long has been, uh, and it's actually, you know, Steve Kerr recently was talking about how he, remind, you know, it was a game against the Jazz. He was 
he was, you know, complimenting them as coaches do. He said he reminded the way they play reminds them a lot of the way the Warriors played five, six years ago when they started their run. Mm-hmm. The question about that Warriors team, which is a question about this Jazz team, um, can they shoot like this when the pressure is on? Because holy Moses, do they shoot. And in this game against the Suns on Wednesday night, they didn't shoot the ball well. And against the Mavericks, when I saw them, uh, you know, a couple nights before that, they 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 really shot poorly in that game. But they did get or to overtime in a road environment. I mean, you know, wasn't you know didn't cost them. You know, the shooting wasn't didn't cost them the game. So, um, you know, to me, we you know the, the question the question I had going into, you know, I, I was with the Team USA uh, in 2019 in uh, in the World Cup in China, which very few people probably pay attention to. The Americans finished seventh. Donovan Mitchell was um, the heart and soul of the offense of that team, and just like he is for the Jazz. And watching him at that, you know, it's a pretty high level of basketball. It is not the NBA, but you know, mm-hmm. when you know that team lost a couple of games, and uh, when they lost, Donovan, as good as he was, struggled. Um, being able to get to the rim, being able to get to his spots under the intense pressure. And I've, I had that question about Donovan. Well, he showed that he can do special things in, in the bubble last year with some of his games. He's having a spectacular season. Um, uh, so shooting in Donovan Mitchell. Um, defensively, I think they've proven that they can play championship-level defense. I think there's been moments where their perimeter defense has gotten a little shaky. But on balance, you've got to love their defense, uh, McMahon. Uh, do you trust their shooting enough? Do you trust Donovan, uh, you know, when it's 2-2 and they need, you know, it's 2-2 in a series and it's a tie game in the fourth quarter. Are they equipped to win games like that? Uh I, I I think they are. I think that with Donovan, there can be the, – the the Jazz, when they're at their best, the ball is hopping. It's humming. They're 0-5 this year when Donovan takes more than 25 shots. And, you know, not a perfect stat. There's some coincidences in there. But there can be too much Donovan. Um, you know, part of that is they need Jordan Clarkson to, to, to get going again. Clarkson and – the last, like, uh, I mean, it's it's about a month and a half now or so. He's just not been good. I mean, you go back to, uh, I'm looking at his last his last 19 games. He's shooting 36 percent from the floor, under 30 percent from three point range. Um, they need six man of the year, Jordan Clarkson. You know, not uh, extended funk, Jordan Clarkson. That's a that's a massive. Difference, you know, and, and matter of fact, at this point, I'm not certain that Jordan Clarkson's even the top six man of the year candidate on his own team. Hmm. Um, I think Joe Ingles is in that conversation. By the way, neither here nor there, but I also think Jalen Brunson has worked his way uh, in, into the six he's man been, of the year. He's conversation. been phenomenal. He'd definitely be ahead of Jordan Clarkson for me. Well, uh, I, by the way, I heard I heard that around the trade deadline that the. Uh, Mavericks got some calls about Jalen Brunson, and it was basically like, yeah, you can, you know, Luca is obviously untouchable, and Jalen is pretty much untouchable. Um, you know, if you're going to offer LeBron, we'll listen, but like, uh, he was, he's being viewed as a, as a uh, foundational core piece going forward. He, he, I don't know if he's their second best player. He's damn sure their second most dependable player. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, back back to the Jazz. I think Clarkson getting him back in the groove he was in will be absolutely critical. And then Bogdanovich is you know very up and down. And 
they need like he he grabbed a rebound last night. <laughs> if you're going to be playing power forward in the NBA as a starter, you need to grab more than a rebound in a game. Well, and you you mentioned it earlier uh, when you were talking about Devin Booker, Brian. Um, Donovan Mitchell's like is a small guard, right? And, and we talked He's about six one. They list him at six one, right? Yeah. And, and we talked about it a lot when you were covering that team USA team. That team was built around Kemba Walker and Donovan Mitchell, right? Two yeah. small guards. And if your if your go to scorer is a six five wing like Bradley Beal or Donovan Mitchell or uh, Devin Booker or you know James Harden, whoever, right? Those guys can always get a shot off. And if your go-to scorer is 6'1 or 6 foot, it's a lot harder for them to always get a good shot off. And I, I, that, that I think is part of the issues when he you know, gets a little tunnel vision and shoots the ball. Like last night, he was you know, 16 for 35. He had 41 points. But to Tim's point, I think when, they, when he gets the ball that much, it gets them away from – the ball reversing and going around and everybody getting involved and kind of that whirling dervish leading to a wide open three, which is what makes them so good. Yeah. They call it the blender. That's right. They're, they're, they have to have the blender going in Utah and it, it has to be about screening and ball movement more than it, it is about Donovan's individual brilliance because Donovan's individual brilliance can only take them so far. Well, and he, and, he, um, and also if they're, if they're getting in the blender all the time, then when he gets the ball and is attacking, then the defense isn't right. loaded up on him, right? And then he can get any look because he is super explosive and he, he's very good at getting to the rim and he can get his own shot uh, very effectively. But if it's a lot of Donovan isos and holding the ball for 18 seconds then running a pick and roll, then it's a little easier to load up on him and then it gets more difficult, right? So that that's sort of the balance. But look, we're also, um, we're also you know, finding things to pick at with this team because they've been the best team in the West for the entire season and have been rolling along. But, you know, again, like we talked about, all these teams are really good. And, you know, if you're going to get out of the West, it's going to require you playing some really high-level basketball for three rounds. Well, again, going back to the Warriors, who had, you know, some of the best ball movement you've ever seen, the question was, I remember Charles Barkley sitting up there talking about it on TNT and, you know, people getting angry at him because he said jump shooting teams couldn't win. Um, you know, the question is, is, you know, can you move the ball again? Game five, two, two, you know, you need to win this game to get control of a series. Will the ball move enough to win? Um, and you know, but I will say about Donovan Mitchell, he's shooting 40% from three on the season. And he has shown that that step back is a pretty, uh, you know, vicious move. Um, he has gotten a lot better at developing, his all around game. Like for example, a lot of people compare him to Dwayne Wade. They compare him to Dwayne Wade because he's a small, rugged bull of a guard. Um, he's smaller. Although Dwayne Wade was, yeah, was significantly bigger. Right. But he, he has the same type of play, which is I'm going to get my center of gravity low and I'm going to change directions and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use good footwork and I'm going to use jump stops. And I'm going to get in on there and I'm going to score. And ideally I'm going to get to the line. Um, uh, and all those things. Wade was never the kind of shooter that Donovan is right now. So, right. Um, well, and here's you know, the other thing too, guys, right? Like we're kind of talking around it, but you know, the jazz also have been the best team in the league all year and don't have anyone that's really in the MVP conversation at all. Right. And it, as we know, when you get deep in the playoffs, it ultimately winds up coming down to a lot of the time, like the, the top couple guys on each team. And, you know, we don't you, – you see these teams – you know, like the, the last team that was really like this that won a title was the Pistons, and that was almost 20 years ago, 
So that's the other thing that's going to make people, you know, have pause about whether this team can get all the way through the West blast. And Mark Jackson kept on lobbying for Donovan Mitchell to be in the MVP conversation last night. He's not the MVP of the Jazz. That's right. That's right. And I will say the one thing I, I do think the MVP should, of the Jazz went seven of seven last night. <laughs> that's right. You know. Well, well, the the MVP of the Jazz has the best plus minus in the league, yeah. and 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 even with favors, the the difference in the defense with Gobert on the floor and off the floor is you know elite to eh. And I, yeah. um, and I was going to – I wanted to point out one thing that I thought was instructive from that game last night is Gobert did pretty well in space and getting out and, and contested some jumpers at least farther away from the basket than he has in the past. Yeah. And I, that that is going to be a critical thing for Utah in the playoffs is um, his improvement there because that – you know, teams are going to try to draw him well, away. He's from, actually been elite. He's been elite there the last couple of years. Well, when it comes down but, to it and they're playing the Lakers – we, I'm not saying they're going to start the game this way, but we know that Anthony Davis is going to be the center. Right. That's why yeah. I see, you know, this this debating about, you know, what's Mark Gasol? Uh, is he is his feelings hurt? They were. Um, I was kind of surprised right. that they were hurt because, I mean, on this podcast we talked, you know, about. I mean, not that he has to listen to the podcast, but it was a very well openly talked about concept that Andre Drummond was going to be a Laker. <laughs> um, right. For weeks, I, I'm surprised that Gasol. Uh, you know, he acted like it surprised him. Uh, maybe, maybe it was because well, his feelings they, have been hurt for weeks. <laughs> maybe, maybe, right? That's true. Maybe it was because they promised Drummond the starting job. But um, when it comes down to it, Anthony Davis is going to be going to be the big man on the court, and so Gobert yeah. is going to have to have the pressure of getting out to space because AD is going to get out of the way of LeBron to create and the drive and kick or the or or handling the pick and roll, and they got to deal with what do we do? How do we handle this pick and roll when LeBron's coming off with AD? Um, you know, that's going to be the extreme test. Um, the other thing I'll say, or, or Jokic, and yeah. the last time the the Jazz saw the as as great as Rudy as great as Rudy is, Jokic, you know that funky little wrong foot fadeaway, and you know all his all his other stuff. He he can score and and make plays against Rudy. And the last time they they played each other, that's when the Jazz were on that. Uh, I think it was a eleven game streak at the time. They go to Denver. Denver shot the lights out. But the Jazz started the game with Royce O'Neal defending Jokic and and Rudy. I forgot who was guarding, but you know, basically freelancing, which is the same thing they try against the uh, the Mavericks. Um, <laughs> Jokic scored forty seven in that game. Yeah, well, Jokic is one of the most skilled uh, big men in the history of the game. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Okay, so the L.A. teams. um, I don't even know how we judge the Lakers right now. Um, 
I saw that. I do. <laughs> it's real simple. If LeBron and AD are healthy, they've got a damn good chance yeah. of getting out of the West. Well, if, if if they're not healthy and playing at their peak level, you know, whatever, they're irrelevant. So the question on the Lakers is this. Now, th- this offensive season that we're seeing out, I mean, guys, I look at every box score every single night, okay? And I haven't been keeping track. I rely on ESPN stats and info for that. I can probably ask them. They'd have the answer in five minutes for me. I can't tell you how many times teams shoot better than 50% and lose in today's in today's NBA. I mean, it happens every night. And there are there are nights where teams shoot 54, 55% and not just lose, mm-hmm. get run out. Okay? And one of the things is is that these teams are doing very little prep for their opponents because they're just not practicing. I think uh, Harrison Fagan who covers the Lakers, he's he's tracked this during the I think he said something like the Lakers have had eight practices since the start of the season and they don't regularly shoot around either. They just, they just get by on walkthroughs and, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, pregame, you know, they come in early and go over, over their game plan. That's part of the reason, Um, you know, give the Lakers an opportunity to practice and game plan uh, in between each game. You know, you may see better better showings all these teams may see better showings um but the lakers have been one of the top defensive teams in the league all year the question for la is can they score enough to beat these teams who are putting up all these points whether it's in the finals or before that because just like last year their perimeter shooting is spotty and on nights when it's not on they tend to struggle a little bit. When nights when it's on, they usually defend enough to really bruise the bruise the other team. But, you know, Bontemps, you've been talking about this for a year now. Now, in the bubble last year, they shot the hell out of it. It didn't start that way. They played. They did not play well in the run-up games, and then they struggled coming out of the gates and fell down 1-0 uh, to Portland coming out to start the playoffs when they couldn't hit anything. They did end up shooting really, really well, and when they make those shots, they're awesome. But my question is, I know they're going to defend, um, will they be able to score enough to win four series in this current iteration of the league? I mean, that that's that is the ultimate question with this team because obviously, man, is right. If you know they're a much different team when they have their their two superstars healthy, but the Lakers are twenty seventh in the league and made threes per game. They're twenty sixth in the league in attempted threes per game, and they're twenty third in the league in three point percentage. And Ben McLemore, yeah, baby, Ben McLemore is going to solve all the problems. And you know, look. They, the Lakers were a great beneficiary in the bubble of everyone shooting the lights out in that setting in Orlando, right? For a team that's probably its biggest weakness was perimeter shooting. Which, which was because of the backgrounds and stuff? I mean, that, I think so. I mean, if you just look at the numbers there, like everybody shot, I mean, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, we're just talking about that series, right? I mean, everybody in that series shot like 60% from three, right? You go through the, and, and that's, I'm not, trying to take anything from the Lakers title run, but if it certainly was a benefit to them that their biggest weakness was in some ways mitigated by the, the setting that they were playing in. Like Anthony Davis shot, I think over 40% from three in the playoffs too, right? Like everybody was one three. I seem to remember. Yes, that's right. He made a certain important one against Denver. I mean, they really shot the ball. Great. And, and that, that was a, a huge reason why they wound up winning the title. Right. Um, it, they're going to need to be able to shoot much better than they have if they're going to want to get through the playoffs, you would think. Because, again, to your point, as good as their defense is, and it's awesome. I mean, even even without these guys in the lineup, it's been it's still been really good. 
Um, in this league right now, you're going to, you know, especially if they have to play some team like Brooklyn or, you know, one of these teams that can really score at the Clippers or shoot the ball like crazy, um, they're going to have to make threes to win. And, and I don't think, you know, we could sit here and know with their current cast of talent and the way they shot the ball that they're going to be able to do that at a high enough level just based off the track record they all have. Yeah, they, you know, on one hand, you say LeBron and AD healthy, which I have no reason to believe they won't be. I, you know, this Achilles thing with, with AD, like they're really keeping him, bring him along slowly. Are they really bringing him along slowly because they're super protective or are they really bringing him along slowly because he's not at a place where they feel good about clearing him to practice because he hasn't been cleared for contact, at least as of this podcast. I mean, I don't think he's been cleared for contact yet. And, you know, so you, you do kind of get worried about that, but under the assumption that, LeBron is close to himself and AD is close to himself. I mean, it's a devastating one-two punch. Uh, it's the reason why they're the favorites. But, um, uh, you know, they're going to have to, you know, I know LeBron talked about, and I actually thought it was going to be this way too. I thought they had a very difficult run to the to the finals last year, but it didn't actually turn out that way. Lillard got hurt. Uh, the Rockets, you know, were in their dying throws, wilted on the vine. And Denver was a challenge, but, um, you know, this year, depending on where their seed falls, they could have to win three grueling, you know, grueling series just to get out of the West. And they're going to have to, they're going to have to execute at a high level on offense. Uh, It's at some point to do it. Or LeBron will have to average 35, 12 and 12, which would be very well. Well, And that's, but that is, (laughs) that is the thing that we need to talk about with the Lakers, right? I mean, they are, they are three losses up on Dallas for the seventh seed. And, you know, it, they're, they're in a position where, again, we don't really have any sense, like you said, Brian, of how long AD is going to be out or how long LeBron is going to be out. But, you know, if they end up in the six or, I mean, even if they get in the seventh seed and win the first game against, you know, whoever, which they almost certainly would, um, and, may, and get in as the seventh seed. I mean, if you're, if you're having to play, say, the, you know, Suns, Clippers, and Jazz to get through the West or the, you know, whatever, the Clippers – uh, Nuggets and Jazz or Clippers, Nuggets and some, whatever the combination is, if you've got to play three of these five teams to get through the West, that's the hardest run LeBron will have ever had to get out of a conference. Well, they're going to, whether they're a seven seed, six, five, whatever. Right. Like four. Right. They're going to have they're gonna have to beat three of those right. teams. And that's that's the thing that's critical with these injuries. And then play the Nets. They've actually six, done, a, they've actually, you know, they've actually done okay holding their heads above the water since LeBron went down. They've picked up some wins, but they're on this East Coast trip right now, and that's a challenge. And then the the problem that they've had is that all these top teams in the West have been red hot. I mean, as we sit here on Thursday mm-hmm. afternoon, we don't know if tonight's games, the Jazz have won 8, eight, 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 eight out of 10. The Suns have won 9 out of 10. The Clippers have won 8 out of 10. The Nuggets, 7 in a row, 8 out of 10. Um, the, the You know, even the Blazers um, – Six out of ten. The Mavericks just had a six-game win streak. The Grizzlies have have won uh, seven out of ten. So the Lakers, you know, you know, they 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 win, you know, four out of ten. They're eating everyone's dust because, uh, you know, everybody at the top of the West is just so it it hasn't helped their seed. Not that I think their seed is all that important. Um, well, it's important. But it's, it, it hasn't it, helped. It's much. It it is like look, we've seen LeBron go through playoff runs. You know, last night after the Celtics. Uh, lost. Tristan Thompson went on and on about how the Cavs teams didn't care about the regular season. Therefore, the Celtic people shouldn't be worried about the Celtics. Uh, there's one rather obvious thing missing from the Celtics team that was on those Cavs teams. But uh, 
we've seen we've seen LeBron go through the playoffs time and again as a lower seed. It, it's a different thing to be the third seed and playing Portland in the first round, as good as the Blazers are, uh, than to be the seventh seed and play Phoenix or Denver or the Clippers in the first round. And that, well, that that's where be, the seeding matters. Like if they're gonna if they're in the well, somewhere in the top four, it's one thing. If they're the seventh seed or the sixth seed, that that the seeding matters then for sure. Well, the thing that would be really interesting is so the Clippers, you know, the Suns have put a little space between them and the Clippers for two, three, but there's a lot of games left. If the Clippers somehow end up at two and the Lakers end up getting the seventh seed, and that ends up being a first round series. Yeah. I mean, some things have to fall for it to happen. Hey, but could be three six, could be four five. I mean, could be a lot of different combinations. That's true. That's true. And it would be a terrible break for a team like the Jazz if somehow the Lakers end up in the eight. Um, well, it wouldn't be great for the Lakers either. I or agree. even in the four I mean, I think, five. I think, I think the Lakers would win such a series, but, I mean, it, that's the thing. Like, I, I just th- this is going to be really hard. Like, this is this – is, it's not it, – this is the impact of the injuries. It's not the Lakers are going to miss the playoffs. It's that their road is just – it is so much harder – than any road that any team like you'd have to go back to like what the 95 Rockets probably to have this kind of a run through the playoffs I think they were a six seed that beat a three two a one and another one like you it's there's a reason this doesn't happen often I mean it's hard well, to and do. we can't just ass- we can't just assume LeBron and AD are going to be back to being know, that's, the best player of this generation and, and a top five player these in the, high I mean, ankle sprains man I mean you hear a high ankle sprain is not a common injury in the NBA, but you hear about these football players who have it and they come back, like they miss a month and then they come back and then like the season's over and they like give these interviews and they're like, yeah, uh, I haven't been right for three months or, you know, it took six months for my ankle to feel. And I just don't know. I don't know the severity of the sprain. I don't know how LeBron's never had this injury before. I don't know how it will bounce back. It's a totally different ligament. You know, those other ligaments that he sprained, you know, a thousand times. He knows how to treat them. It's a totally different ligament, totally different part of the the foot. Um, It's hard to know. All right, before we go, the Clippers, their consensus by the sports books is plus 240 um, to win the West, second behind the Lakers. Uh, Confounding team, remain confounding team, have nights where uh, Paul George is hitting his threes, Kawhi is making plays, uh, Zubac is in there showing stuff, Marcus Morris has a good night, and you're like, wow, this is everything. And then they have other nights where Paul George fades into a wallflower, they can't get into their offense, uh, and their role players miss everything. I, I, have no, I, I have no idea what to expect from this team. I agree that they're potent. Um they got Rondo because they felt like they needed a, a guy who could set him up, set up their stars. Um, mm. You know, we won't know whether that works until the postseason. I don't, I honestly don't even care what Rondo does in the regular season. I know he's played several right. blog games so far. I don't care. I, I know that, you know, that he has, is dangerous when it matters. I don't know how to evaluate this team, Bontemps. I, I, um, I acknowledge him as a serious threat, but I, I wouldn't put any, I wouldn't put any money on him. Yeah. I mean, look, this, it's funny because we were just talking about how LeBron's Cavs teams never cared about the regular season. And I feel like the Clippers are sort of in that mode, which is ironic given also that their coach. No, is they've tired. cared about this regular well, season. The wise played on back to back. That is, and, that is true. But 
they also whatever the Clippers do in the regular season doesn't matter, right? None of this matters because we've seen them. We, we, I mean, prior iterations of Clippers have collapsed in the second round. Last year's iteration of the Clippers collapsed in the second round. This team, whatever it does for the next six weeks, the only thing anybody's going to judge about this team, and it's been the same thing since November, is what do they do from mid-May until whenever they're out of the playoffs? That's all that matters. And so it's hard to... For, it's to your point, it's hard for me to look at them and take anything really dramatic away from them because until they get to the playoffs, I don't really care about this stuff. Like, the, yes, they've had issues. Uh, we've talked about their their late clutch offense. Uh, Rondo, we'll see if Rondo is able to help with that. He, I think he's probably about the best thing they could have gotten at the deadline, even though he is flawed. Um, talk about we talked about the Lakers shooting. Uh, the interesting thing about the Clippers. They're shooting 41.5% as a team from three, which is the best in the league by a very significant amount. Um, I think it would be the greatest three-point shooting season ever by a team, um, percentage-wise. Um, their offense has been awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I just, you know, I I think they should have enough talent to beat any team in a series in the West, but they have been kind of all over the place. And ultimately, it's just hard to judge anything because – until they get to the playoffs and start playing these teams, that's the only time I'm really going to be focused on what they're doing because the rest of this just doesn't matter for them. I would say Paul George has as much to prove in the playoffs as anybody in the league. Yeah. You know, after – after him and, him and, him and Giannis probably, like, right, are probably the two guys. Yeah, and Paul fair. George is – but, but, but to be fair to Giannis, Giannis has like had big series in James the Harden. James Harden's up there. Although yeah. Harden has the advantage of you know a lot of support, more support than he's could have ever dreamed of. Yeah, you know he can he can he can lay an egg or two, and they can survive it. And you know he he can have a two of eleven and and survive with if Kyrie and KD do well. What's your point, Tim? Yeah. Paul George, this is it, for as much as this is on the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard has won multiple Finals MVPs and won multiple championships. This is on Paul George, right? Yeah, if the Clippers fall flat, and I mean. I don't know what falling flat means. Last year was definitely falling flat. I don't know, like if they lose, like a they got to get out of the, they got to finally get out of the second round of the playoffs. They have okay, to, they have to get but if they, they have lose to get a, out of there. If they lose a seven game grinder in the conference finals, you know, I think it looks differently than if they you know go out earlier or if they lose four two or four one or something. I don't know what's going to happen if the Clippers fall flat again, um, because. They've made their moves for the most part. Um, they're they're they, they've they've exhausted a lot, you know their their spending and they've exhausted m- most of their draft pick capital. They have some second round picks mm-hmm. they can trade, um, and they don't really have young prospects. They don't really have great uh, options. I, I don't know. They already made a coaching change. I don't know what happens. Um, I don't think Kawhi goes anywhere, but um, the stakes. You know, it's not do or die, but the stakes are pretty are pretty high because I have no idea what would be on the table if if they fall flat again, um, and I really can't see what they're going to do. I'm just so hesitant to throw in on them. However, especially if LeBron and AD aren't a hundred percent, they're playing a bunch of teams that have not yet won at this level. You know, and that's the just yeah. to bring it back full circle. That's why if you're a team like Denver or you're a team like Phoenix. In other years, you know, what you'd have to overcome might be difficult ahead of you with those L.A. teams. But with A.D. and LeBron banged up, 
with the uncertainty whether the Clippers can deliver when it really matters, I'd, I'd be sniffing some stuff here, especially if you're a team like, you know, if you get those top two, you know, if, you know, Phoenix and, uh, and Utah get those top two seeds, it means home court advantage in, uh, in, you know, in, against the L.A. teams. And that would potentially be a factor. So uh, it's going to be uh, extremely interesting to watch. Uh, hopefully we get representative playoffs where there's there's health and um, uh, we get good play because that's that's really what we want. But um, there is reason to really be intrigued by this Western Conference uh, finish. Are we going to risk the wrath of Rip City and, and not mention the Blazers at all? I mean, I don't mean to insult them, but yeah, these are the five teams. I mean, are you think? Do you think the the Blazers can win the West? Do you think they're winning three series against these five teams that we just talked about? I I, I think they are sixth in a five team race. And where are the Mavericks? Nah, listen, the I, the Mavericks are needing to figure out uh, who their second best player is long term to give them a chance to win a championship. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like Portland and Dallas are in similar places where if I'm in the first round and I'm going up against Dame and I'm going up against Luca, I do not feel good about that at all. And those guys are capable of of magic as we've seen in the playoffs before. Mm-hmm. And maybe they could steal a series if you know, especially if there's a tweaked ankle or you know something happens. But I, I think there's a bit of a line of demarcation between those five teams and and Portland and and Dallas in a similar way to those three teams at the top of the East and whatever order you put them in Brooklyn Philly Milwaukee there's a pretty line clear yep. pretty clear line of demarcation between them and I think Miami and then between Miami and everybody else I think it's that way in the West where Portland and Dallas are in their own group where I would not want to play them in the first yeah. round, but I can't put them in that same group as the teams. Well, the interesting thing with Portland is they were, from what I understand, had some talks with the Magic. I don't think they were down at the end of it, um, but at some point, I think they had some talks with the Magic about Aaron Gordon. They obviously ended up and did a deal for Norm Powell, which has already been a fruitful deal. Um, but thinking about that team, had they gotten Aaron Gordon and then also the team that ends up getting Aaron Gordon is or is your rival a team you could end up having to face in the first yeah. round. In fact, I think if the season ended today, that would be the first round matchup. Would be. You know, you know, that's that's an that's an interesting one. But you know, you know, the, the price was the price and maybe Neil O'Shea wasn't willing to pay it. Maybe um, Orlando didn't like what their package was and he obviously made a pretty significant deal but um, alright well thank you we'll see the Hoop Collective podcast thank you to Tim and Tim thank you to Tony our producer everybody have a good weekend we'll talk to you next week adios amigos Pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. 
Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.